Hey, how you doing? It's Clayton here from HowToDrawComics.net, and welcome to today's podcast episode. Um, today, what we're going to be discussing is how comics have changed over the years. You know, a lot of us, are we grew up in the 90s, or we at least went through the 90s comic boom, and things have obviously changed since then. Some may feel for the better, some may feel for the worse. It depends where you're coming at it from and how you really feel about it. Uh, I've got co-host Ed Foychuk here with me today to help me uh, discuss the situation and talk it out a little bit. Um, and we both have fairly, you know, unique and, and, well, maybe not so much unique, but certainly different views on the situation, which uh, I think will, uh, you know, provide a, quite a balanced, I guess, narrative on, on what we're talking about and, and the whole situation and what's been going on in the, the comic book industry overall. So, uh, yeah, how you doing today, Ed? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, this is uh, kind of the hot topic in... Uh in comicdom nowadays and stuff like that, there's two massive camps and uh, and a whole lot of civilians in between, I want to say, and stuff. Like, it seems to me, and I, I haven't really delved into all these areas and stuff, but some people uh, are happy with the, the direction comics are going. In fact, they think they're heading into a really good direction, a really good area and stuff. Other people... The other side is saying, no, this sucks. This is totally not where I, I want to go, not where I remember and stuff. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I think this this will be interesting. And I think what I like about this is that both myself and you, um, we're fairly moderate people and stuff like that. Uh, we've got opinions, but uh, we're not into finger pointing or, or uh, blame or, or, or stopping other people from enjoying their likes and, and loves and everything like that so I, i'm hoping that this will be a pretty cool discussion on what could be a really difficult topic for some yeah absolutely man i i think so as well and you're right when you say that it's difficult because it is somewhat of a touchy subject and i think because it's a touchy subject you know even we were kind of you know umming and ahhing about whether or not we should kind of delve into this topic because it's uh it's kind of intimidating. Like you're not quite sure what the what the fallout will necessarily be. You know how people are going to take it and to what extremes they will take it to. Um, especially when you're talking about two, yeah, you know, moderately level-headed guys like us, which we we don't really want to get that extreme. You know. Yeah, you know, I've seen a lot of people get into uh, extreme battles online about this and stuff. I like got so much so that. Uh, employers are being called, um, you know, people are trying to sabotage Kickstarters or, or work projects and stuff like that. Uh, you know, there's boycotts uh, on both sides and stuff, and not just passive boycotts. I mean, like, listen, if you do business with this person, uh, don't do business with me type of thing and stuff, you know, like there's some really uh, passionate people i guess i could use that word right and uh and they're using that passion to to slug it out and so i don't necessarily uh want to be in anybody's crosshairs but you know i think it's it's reasonable that that um we can sit here and have a discussion about hey this is what i like this is what what i worry about this is what i don't like and um you know how am i doing it better on my end to to improve what i see it in comics nowadays and stuff right 
Yeah, and I think it's kind of relevant as well when you think about it, especially since, you know, we're all about creating comic books, especially when it comes to independent creators who, you know, if they're not going to score a a job in the industry, then they're certainly going to go out and make their own, especially if they're motivated to draw comic books. You know, there's not really any stopping us once we get that comic book bug. Um, So, you know, going into that with that mindset it's it's very hard to know with when politics come into it and you know various uh points of view i guess you know i've never really understood exactly what people are talking about when they talk about politics are they talking about uh what's going on in the government are they talking about their views their worldviews and their perspectives are they talking about you know the kind of artwork and style in which the artwork is depicted it's it's a very broad topic that is brought up within comic books and the entertainment industry as a whole and it kind of you know it funnels down into every aspect of it essentially from the way that books are written to the way that characters are depicted and the messages that are presented within these the various narratives that that we see in these forms of entertainment so you know as independent creators and i i know that i'm certainly going to be an independent creator i think uh It's something that I kind of want to know, like, where should I be standing exactly on this? What do you think, Ed? I don't know, man. Like, I think, uh, you know, there's some camps that you should be in my camp or you should be in this camp. You should be in the camp that, uh, you know, is the, and I'm just going to label them because might as well put this out here the social justice warrior camp where you know diversity is everything and we have to be all inclusive to everybody right Mm -hmm. uh except for we don't want to include the opposite camp which are the comic skaters you know the ones who apparently don't like diversity they like things back how they used to be or something like that you know Mm. and i'm kind of stereotyping both camps here and stuff right and yeah and there's a point to that is that you know like when it comes to myself yeah, I just do me, you know, like I, I grew up with a lot of diversity. I grew up um, with comics with a lot of diversity in them. I grew up with comics that had political agendas, uh, that had social messages. And so sometimes I'm going to create a comic that has that, you know, and then sometimes I'm just going to create a comic where people bash each other on the heads. Like, I think I'm cool with all of these things being on the shelf. I, you know, I'm cool with, uh, Archie comics, uh, with romance comics, with horror comics, with uh, superhero comics, with uh, zombie comics, with, um, you know, uh, anything. I, 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 you know, I, I'm, I'm the type that, listen, like, if you don't like something, cool, I get you. And, I, you know, I can kind of listen to why and maybe I agree or disagree, but, yeah, that's cool. I get it. You, I, I'm not here to argue with somebody who doesn't like something. You don't like vanilla ice cream? Fine, that's cool. You don't have to buy it, right? But don't stop other people from buying vanilla ice cream. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the way I see it is like, listen, like, I may not like, um, <laughs> I may, I may not buy a comic book about white Jesus coming down to save the savages and, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> that may not be my book, but I would never ask them to take that off the shelf. Do you know what I mean? Like, if, if there's a creator that says, you know, my white Jesus is the Jesus of all Jesuses and, and he's come to civilize you savages and all this kind of stuff and, and save the day, I'd be like, you know, you rock on, man. You do your thing. <laughs> I, I'm just not going to buy it. Um, so for me, I say let the market sort it out. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You know, it's it's really funny, Ed. I, I thought we were going to have so much to disagree on in this podcast episode. But uh, I got to say, man, I, I'm of the exact same okay. opinion. Um, because, 
you know, the the thing that that you know has for, for starters, I I had no idea what what Comics Gate was when you know it got it got brought up randomly, and I kind of got onto it. I had heard my friends mention Gamersgate before. I never really knew what that was either, and the term was kind of hard to define. So I yep. kind of looked into it a little bit. There was, yep. of course, bad actors, and it is essentially a community. So here's here's how I understand it to be: it's it's a community of people who, um, I guess, you know, if you if you go back, and I talk, kind of talked. I mentioned this to you before. If you go back to the image era when uh, Todd McFarlane, you know, he left Marvel Comics because he he, he wasn't allowed to draw uh, Spider-Man stabbing uh, Juggernaut. That's his name, right? Juggernaut? No, it was, it was Shatterstar uh, stabbing Juggernaut in the eye. Right, yeah, there you go. And uh, And Todd McFarlane, you know, he was like, look, that does it. I want to draw what I want to draw, and this is my idea deals for comic books, and it doesn't fit with Marvel Studios, so I'm going to go, and I'm going to make my own studio, and I'm going to take all these other artists with me as well, and we're going to do our own thing. And to me, that, that kind of sounds a lot like the the old version of the modern-day uh, comic skate where now you've got these independent creators who don't like the the status quo of the industry and the direction that it's taken whether it's good or bad who knows but regardless they don't like it and so they've gone out on their own and instead of kind of making their own independent comic book company they've just decided to kickstart their comic books and jump on indiegogo and crowdfund their creations now, of course, you get bad actors on either side. Uh, you've got bad actors within the, the mainstream comic book industry who will not hire you based on your abilities, but instead, um, you know, your your political stance or your, you know, your skin color or your background or, you know, essentially based on those attributes rather than, you know, your actual experience in the the what it takes to create a comic book, you know, writing, inking, penciling, coloring. And then on the other side of that in the comic skate community, oh, you've also got, um, you know, people who are saying these like outrageous things um, with, you know, about the, the, the comics that are out there and about, of course, the Captain Marvel movie. You, you got me onto that one as well. You know, and it's, it kind of really sucks because it's this, this negative environment on both sides where, you know, you've got these situations happening where a customer will go to a comic book store, they'll want a certain type of comic and they won't be served because they want that particular type of comic. Or, you know, you'll just get, um, you know, new movies coming out and because of the fact that it's from Marvel or it's from DC, you'll get a bunch of, like, people purposely jumping onto all the movie review sites and kind of thumbing it down and, and making it so, and essentially rigging it so that they can't be as successful as it might have been. So you've got all these shenanigans essentially happening in the comic book industry and really the entertainment industry as a whole. And uh, at the same time, I think originally these movements and the the positions in which Marvel has taken and DC has taken, and it looks like Top Cow as well, and and all the the and even Image, the the direction that they've taken. And then the direction that the comic skaters have taken these were these were done out of the the best of intentions. I think you know it wasn't supposed to be the go to the extremes that it has somehow ventured into. It wasn't supposed to be that radical. 
but uh, it somehow resulted in this mutated, like, creature of uh, discrimination on either sides. Um, yeah, I'm going to go back to what you said about the founding of Image. And I think you have a certain idea of why it was founded with the, uh, you know, McFarlane and, and the juggernaut scene and stuff like that. And I think that is part of it. Creative freedom will always be part of it. But a very, very, very large part of it was money. Uh, the Image founders were not getting paid what they wanted to be paid. They were being treated as employees. It wasn't their property. Um, for the most part and stuff and they wanted to found something that said listen if you came to our comic book company you bring your property it's still your property and that was kind of the foundation of of image and stuff like that like there's there's a few documentaries about the the founding of image mm. comics and stuff like that and um there's a blending of of creative freedom but there's a lot of it of like, hey, this is our house now. We run it all. And how we want to run it is, you know, everybody makes money, 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 money. And so, you know, it's funny because money makes it all go around. We're talking about Marvel. We're talking about Disney. We're talking about all these uh, different mm. choices that everybody makes. But um, I think part of the reason that the image founders left and founded image was simply money and there's nothing wrong with that you know like i, I just don't want to ever uh hide that or anything like that i think that's that's a big part of everything mm -hmm. that's at play right now and stuff right um the thing is like i read comics still i read a lot of image books and a lot of marvel books i'm not a big dc guy and i don't see a lot of the problems that or most of the problems that people are complaining about nowadays um, you know, like, so there'll be a hit to the, the quality of art or something like that. I'll be like, really? Because like, if you pick it up like X-Men gold with, uh, Ken Lashley's run on it, you, uh, look at Spider-Man now with Ryan Otley or Joey Vasquez doing those Marvel team-ups and stuff like that. There's a lot of kick-ass artists out there. And, and I don't know if they, Marvel has the depth that it did before or anything like that. I'm sure there's some shitty books out there. I've seen a few, uh, clips online of them and stuff like that, but. There's also some really kick-ass artists like Mark Brooks and, and Addy Gradoff are, are, um, are doing like cr crazy covers. Um, you know, like there's, there's still a lot of talent out there. So the artwork can still be found. You know, um, I think there's a lot of good artwork that's, that's on the mainstream books and that's in uh, these independent. That's the other thing, the rise of the independents. They've got great artists too and stuff. Mm. It's hit and miss, right? And the editing's hit and miss, but there's a lot of great talent out there. So for me, when I'm, you know, I, I'm hearing uh, different complaints that like, oh, you know, it was better in the 90s. It's better in the 90s. Well, yeah, okay. You know what? I think any survey or poll will say Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane, Mark Silvestri, uh, uh, Portacio, you know, like all basically all those image guys, you know, they're probably five of the top seven most popular artists in comic history, right? Mm. That's cool. Like everybody loves them and stuff, but I don't take away for from some of the artists that are up now and stuff because they've got some solid skills now. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, well, uh, I'll address a few of the points that you brought up. So, I think that you're onto something with the image uh, debate, but um, I also think that these guys um, who left Marvel, it 
was that they their creativity was was confined. They they did they felt like they were being taken for granted. Um, if it was a money thing, they they wouldn't have purely they they wouldn't have left. And I know you weren't saying that it was purely, but I feel like you know if uh, let me ask you, Ed, have have you worked in a studio before? Like uh, even, nope, a, even a graphic design studio. So so one thing that that really really sucks nope. about uh, studios, especially if you're not working in the right one, is that you feel like you're that what you're able to create is is nothing more than a commodity. Um, most of the time, even if you're being paid a decent amount of money, you still feel like okay, this is this is for a, a product at the end of the day. And that's really what your your hard work and your your imagination, your ideas, ultimately amount to. It's there's something almost soulless about it. It's almost like, um, excuse me for the uh, for the the harsh language, but uh, it's it's almost like you're whoring out your abilities in a way. Like it feels it feels cheap. Like you feel cheapened as a as a creator. And I think that yep. on top of that, with with Marvel kind of feeling like they had all the power and that these artists didn't it made the artists go well hey you know what actually um we're, we're bringing in the sales we, we've got the we've got the skills behind us why why are we why are we working for marvel why don't we just do this on our own now of course reality hit them when they decided to leave marvel and i think in a in to an extent we're both right here because you know there it was for all of those reasons that todd mcfarlane and jim lee and um you know the other guys whose names escape me right now left Marvel. It, it's because of all those reasons. Um, and the other point that you brought up about the the comic books uh, these days, so some of them are really really great, but they feel and seem few and far between. Like the last time I went to the comic book store, um, maybe I'm just not picking up the right ones by chance. But you know the the colors are kind of muted and. The drawings are like really amateurish, man. Like uh, I looked at uh, a comic book, the um, uh, and it sticks in my mind. I forget what the title of it was. It was probably a popular one, but it looked like it had been drawn by like a like a high school kid or something, and coloured just as 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 badly. And I'm not saying that to put down the artist. I, I think good on them for being able to get a foot in the door. But I just you know when you read how to draw comics the Marvel way and you look at the artists who are online um, that are established like David Finch for example and Stephen Platt who have put out these courses and they're showing you how to create comic books you just don't see that level of expertise being demonstrated within the books that are actually out there and it's like I said to you a, a lot of the people in the how to draw comics group honestly are better than the ones some of the people working in the industry right now not all of them of course there are a few great looking gems out there with awesome storylines on top of great art but uh you know and and maybe i am looking at the 90s with rose colored glasses here but I, i just feel like there was more energy within the lines there was more movement in the figures there was uh more color in the illustrations and it it just seemed like bigger than life when you open one of those comic books you were kind of drawn straight into this world that was a, a billion times more blown up than the than the the reality that we live in every day and that's why people escaped into comic books i feel like i know that titles such as x-men you know always had the these political ideals that they presented within their comics and i think that that was brilliantly conveyed 
um, you know, especially things such as uh, discrimination and, and racism and, and that kind of thing and making sure people are equal. But, uh, you know, as a kid, as a teenager, I felt like th that wasn't what I was seeing at all. I was looking at Wolverine's claws, like, pop out and, and, like, popping out of the panel, right? Like, that was what drew me in. That's what, that's what comics really had to bring to the table as far as being a form of entertainment. Um, and, you know, the story seemed really mature, actually. There was one X-Men comic that I read. It was a Wolverine comic, actually, when I was in primary school, and my mates gave it to me. And uh, I was, like, disturbed. Like, it was a scary comic book. Like, the illustrations in it were, like, so detailed that uh, I was like, man, I don't know if I should be reading this. Like, this is so violent, you know? Um, but, you know, that's that's kind of what made comics cool back then. Like, you weren't sure if you should be reading it. Um, these days, like, there are there are some great comics, like I said, but a lot of them are, like, like you read the story from start to finish and, like, nothing will really happen. There won't be any form of conflict or, um, you know, inner torment or, you know, any kind of narrative where the character changes from being a certain type of person to a completely different type of person. Like, the hero's journey seems to have been lost in, in I don't know, the, the agendas that the modern-day agendas that are trending right now. And I do feel like it is a trend, and it's only a matter of time. And I could be totally wrong, so when it happens, you, when it, or when it doesn't happen, you'll be able to call me out on this, Ed. But it's only a matter of time before the indies start bringing new content to the table that is from the heart, that doesn't have an agenda behind it beyond... You know, it can still be a political kind of statement, whatever, but it'll be a belief from the heart, and it'll be... You'll see the passion on the page, you know. You'll you'll see the the love that they put into every single line that's there, and it won't be for the money. It'll be for the love of it. And when you're able to come at it from that angle, I mean, the money just comes anyway, right? I'm getting Absolutely. a bit ranty. Um, yeah, this is interesting. Because <laughs> no, it's it's okay. Because uh, you know, I like to hear you know a lot of your perspective on it, and and. Obviously, you know, you bring a certain thing to the table. Uh, you grew up reading comics in the 90s, and uh, so those were some really big names in the 90s and stuff like that, right? Um, I'm a little bit older than you, uh, and so mine were, you know, through the 70s, 80s, and 90s and stuff, right? And so my, my takeaway message was maybe a little bit different than yours. Uh, you know, like... Yes, I, I'm going to say it. I'm an artist, and so I the visuals are the ones that drew me in and stuff like that. Uh, the character designs, the um, the action, the panel breaks, everything like that. You know how to draw comics the Marvel way, of course. You know uh, this is this is this is it. But um, I I was also in it for the seriousness of it, like. Um, hmm. I think that's why I never liked DC Comics. They always felt very sterile to me. I, I never could relate to Metropolis or uh, those types of things. Like Superman just seemed, well, he didn't seem, he is perfect, right? Like he was just awesomely perfect and stuff, right? Hmm. And, uh, you know, whereas in like the book that drew, dragged me into it all was, you know, uh, early X-Men stuff. This is around the time of 
you know, um, when the mutant up, you know, the hatred for mutants was coming up. Senator Kelly was trying to, you know, get the Sentinel program going and there was hmm. protests in the streets, people throwing um, rotten eggs and fruit at, at mutants and said, you know, get the fuck out, mutie, these types of things and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, you know, do you know who your children are? Do you trust them? You know, the, these were obvious obvious political statements and social commentary and stuff like that right mm. about prejudice and racism and stuff right and so um for me having grown up in a very diverse neighborhood and stuff like that uh this was a clear message that uh that made sense to me like um it made the most sense to me out of all the comics that i was reading and stuff like that i was like oh hey prejudice yeah totally this is bad because i see it every day Right. Like um, I could totally relate to it and stuff. So I think, you know, people will take different messages out of things. And especially when you're a child, you know, I have a child now so she can watch a movie with me. And what she takes away from that movie is different than what I take away as an adult. Right. Mm -hmm. And she's going to have her different experiences um, that that change her perspective on, you know, what she takes away from that movie and stuff like that. Right. Uh, the, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about uh, that you had brought up was about the energy of the panels. And I'm going to say this. This is and this is really, really important. I, I agree that I think a lot of um, uh, work nowadays, not all the artists, but I think there's a certain percent of artists out there that are using either 3D or photo reference images. And they're not just using it, but they're they're. Uh, they're crutched by them. Do you know what I mean? Like they're, they're can hobbled say by them a little bit. <laughs> you know, they're abusing it and stuff, right? And yeah. so whether it's uh, tracing over porn faces or whether it's tracing over a 3D poser program or whatever it is and stuff like that, there's a certain stiffness in, in the piece and stuff. And I, mm. I, can, I can recognize it. And so, you know, to have the energy, they had two things going for them in the 90s in regards to energy was, you know, they, they were taking lessons out of, everything from Kirby on through the 70s of massive foreshortening and, and, and grabbing the scene at the, you know, the impact of the punch or the, the after effect of the punch and, you know, these types of things. They were learning all those lessons. And in the 90s, they cross-hatched the shit out of everything. And so all of those lines, like we know that a sketch looks more energetic than, than a thin-lined piece or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Or even a heavily inked piece. If you cross-hatch things you 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 add a certain amount of energy to it right um and they were good at it they still are you know they're still killers at it um like i remember on pencil jack on the forums we you know one of the favorite uh pastimes for for people who think they know is to bash rob liefeld right and so i had always been reading about how bad rob liefeld was and blah 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 and, uh, you know, of course, people will trot out some of his worst work and say, look at this shit, right? And, yeah, it looks bad, right? Uh, but what we did, we used to have challenges. We had monthly challenges, weekly challenges, sequential challenges, all this kind of stuff, right? And we put up a page of Rob, Rob Liefeld's work. No colors, just inks, right? I don't know. It was a little unclear if... He did the lines, but I don't know who inked it or if he inked part of it or something like that. But anyways, there was clearly Rob Liefeld, like recognizably, right? Mm -hmm. And we put up a contest and said, okay, let's see who can beat this, right? Knowing how he did it. This is not just coming off of a script. 
This is looking at it, seeing how an artist attacked it and saying, okay, I see that and I think I can do better on top of that, right? Mm. And we gave it a month's time or something. I can't remember, a reasonable deadline and stuff. We had like a dozen entries and then we voted on it within our own forum, right? And so this is our people voting on our art and everything. I didn't enter this one, uh, but it was very interesting because Rob won. Yeah. It was all of like all the different pieces against Rob's and Rob still won it. That's he wasn't competing. He wasn't even there. Like he, 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 I know he learned about it. I I know he, he, he was told about the contest because I had seen his comments about it later and stuff. Right. But he still fucking won. He still beat all of these guys that thought they were slick and thought they knew what was going on and thought and even could jump off of his design his his layouts everything and, and and make it even better and they didn't he still won it and so there's a lot of lot to be said for the energy of the 90s i i totally don't want to ever take away from that but 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 here's where i would recommend to you um because i live overseas i can't really collect comics right now right um my collections back in Canada. So, you know, ordering them, shipping them, it's, it sucks. They're, the comic book bookstores here are tiny. Um, but what I did was I subscribed to Marvel Unlimited, mm-hmm. the uh, online thing, right, that I can just read on, comics on my, on my iPad, right? And so what that does is it gives me the freedom of just flipping through a bunch of books, right? I get to look through uh, old back issues, whatever they've got on there, tons of thousands of issues, right? But also all the new releases and stuff. So I'll flip through a couple issues and stuff and I'll be like, oh yeah, this X-Men, whatever it read is, uh, it's, it's, it's okay for me, but I like the gold version, you know, the different teams or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm, I'm digging this unworthy Thor thing for a while there and stuff, right? Um, for me, like that gives me the freedom to kind of jump from book to book and find an artist and writer combo that I like. So uh, it's a little bit different than walking in. It's it's almost like, I guess, walking into your local comic book store and taking an hour to flip through about 20 books and say, okay, this one's the one for me or something <laughs> like that. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, like, and so for me, that's what works. Uh, I'm a little bit pickier now because, you know, you were reading comics in the nineties and that's kind of when I stopped reading, I stopped reading in about, let's say 94, 93, somewhere around there. And that was because, and that was kind of the, the peak of comic sales, but it was like that for a reason. It wasn't just good artists, but they, they were saturating with massive crossovers massive alternate covers massive promotions of all these different things and stuff i get like i remember my poll uh at the my local comic book store was something stupid like i think it was something like 60 titles a month or something like that i was pulling books that i i would never read just so i can get the discounts and stuff like you know you, you pull 10 a month you get five percent discount you pull 20 you get 10 percent or whatever i was pulling mm. 60 70 books books a month and i wasn't reading half of them mm. they were they were just going in my collection so i could get discounts and everything right um anyways yeah i, I would recommend to you if you got a chance one either you know take the time to look through those or whatever or uh you know, get a subscription like that or 
check out some of the new titles that are coming from different artists and different creative teams and stuff like that. I think Image has got a great lineup of a lot of interesting books. Invincible had an amazing run. Yes. Um, and it's almost like how Spider-Man was through its, its inception kind of thing and stuff like that. There's a book called Chew. I only read about the first dozen issues and stuff like that, but it's about a guy who he can see kind of, I think they actually made this into a TV show. Yeah, they did. Um, they, they took this premise and made it into, what was it called? I zombie. Yeah. I zombie. Hmm. Uh, this dude could eat, uh, whatever he, he eats, he could see the history of it, like the life of it. Wow. So he eats a dead body, like a finger or something like that. He could see the history of that person, how they died, whatever, and stuff like that. So he was a PI, I think, in the comic book. And they did the exact same thing. They made this TV show kind of with the... I, I think they stole it. I don't think they gave any credit <laughs> to Chew. But yeah, there's a lot of good books out there. Uh, Fiona Staples is from Alberta, where I'm from. And she's uh, the artist on a Saga. And that's, you know, that's a pretty amazing looking book and stuff and a well-written book. So there's, I think there's lots of stuff out there still in the mainstream, but I don't know if they have the depth or if we just have a little bit of nostalgia going on for what we loved and, you know, okay, here's what I'll put to you. You know, a lot of times people will say nowadays, oh, look what they're doing. They turned, uh, I don't know, fucking my character into this this woman <laughs> into or this, a woman yeah or this minority or now all of a sudden captain america is a uh, uh chicano lesbian uh transvestite or something like they'll you know it upsets a lot of people and stuff like that and i keep coming back to this and this is why i loved marvel is because there was always the what ifs there was always the uh the the throw it against the wall and see what sticks because Marvel's like Marvel put out a fucking frog that was Thor. Thor was a frog for a number of issues here. Like, huh. you know, imagine if they tried to pull that nowadays. They would be like, oh man, you can't do that. You can't do that to my, my hero and stuff. Like, people would be bitching so much nowadays about them turning uh, Thor into a frog, right? Yeah. But whatever. You know, they did it for a little while and they saw if it. What what stuck with it? They they do a She-Hulk for a little while. Oh, you know what? This is a character that lives on. They do, um, you know, Jane Foster as as Thor. Oh, okay. Well, you know, this character actually people kind of like it. it. Can it can move on? They do um, another character like uh, Amadeus Cho as Hulk. I thought it sucked, and I hope they ditch it. I don't know if they have or not yet and stuff. But I'm cool with that. Throw a couple things against the wall. See what sticks. If it doesn't stick, let it drop and roll roll on. You know, there's mm. nothing wrong with uh, having these creative ideas. You're because you know I feel like you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't. If like these people are saying, okay, don't mess with my character. Okay, but then you were telling me earlier that you want the hero's journey. Well, to have a hero's journey, there needs to be a journey. There needs to yeah. be progress. And yeah. so, how do we do that? Do we keep Peter Parker? the eternal high school student uh, or do we age him? Do we marry him? Do we, you know, do all these th kind of things to him? It, you know, comic books allow for us to kind of choose that. And it's not always the uh, easy choice or the, or we'll make the perfect choice with it. But I, I'm, I'm just not seeing where, why all the hatred for this? <laughs> I guess the biggest hatred was uh, where it started in my opinion was Iceman being gay. Yeah. 
Um, and they were like, no way. Bobby Drake always liked girls and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. Every gay guy I know. Well, not every gay guy, but a lot of gay guys I know also dated girls. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that, 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 that's, that's how life goes sometimes. You never know, right? So why get, all, why get your panties in a bunch over it? Just relax, you know? Like, let's see, let's see if they write it well. If it's shit writing, it's shit writing. Yeah. Don't fault it because he's gay. Fault it because it's shitty writing. If it's, if it's good writing, that's... You can go now. <laughs> that's, yeah, if, it, if it's good writing, that's good. I will just jump in here because I have a lot of thoughts on this particular uh, topic. Um, I actually agree with, with everything you've just said. Um, the problem is, is that there is some, uh, there is some issues within the, the, the parts that I agree with. You know, I'm, I'm torn a little bit because, you know, I'm a, so I'm a character designer. Like, I design a lot of characters for comic books and video games. And I've done so for, like, you know, since I went to uni, right? And you, probably, you might have seen this in the Superheroines course. I talk about it a lot in that as well. And the... The thing with character design is essentially it's it's all to do with visual communication. You, you've got a character, and you need to present who that character is through the visuals. They've got a bio, etc. Right? Um, to me, when you you take a character that has been already established and it's well known, it's got a fan base behind it. People know and love this character. It seems to me like the worst decision in the world to change them in a dramatic way. For example, if it seemed like and it was suggested as if they always liked girls, why would you make them gay and make it so that the fan base that followed them, that the market for that particular character becomes disgruntled? Or, for example, you change them into a completely different sex. You make them uh, you know, transgender or a woman when they were a man. Or you, um, you know, you do any any other number of major changes within that character. It seems almost like you're, you're sabotaging that property to an extent because you may get a new audience for the character, but the old audience that's already established, that's become repeat customers, is going to be. Most of them will be will be against it because you're, you're jarring them out of the character that they used to know. Why? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I really see that, man, because, like, yeah. I'm I'm a white, hetero dude, and I don't give a shit if Bobby's gay or not. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, that doesn't change me wanting to buy an X-Men title or not. Um, like, it, it it just gives more interesting depth to a, a character but, that, uh, honestly, Bobby Drake wasn't always the most interesting character to begin with, you know? Like, yeah. Um, well, well, let me ask, ask you. Why, why would that turn me away from it? Um, well, well, let me ask you, like, why, why wouldn't it? Like, uh, for example, if, um, you know, you, you, uh, you, you had a friend who, um, you know, was your, your, your close friend and, um, you know, you always knew them to be a certain way, but then all of a sudden... You, you caught up with them for coffee or something, um, and, you know, let's say that they were a man, they were suddenly a woman, and they were uh, gay. Wouldn't that, like, shock you? Wouldn't you be like, damn, like, what what the heck happened here? Like, like why would yeah, like, but like, no. why, why like, wouldn't you be? No, I, I like, I get what you're saying. There There is a certain shock value to it that could be both good and bad, right? Hmm. Um, but I guess... You know, like, 
what it comes down to is what's intrinsic to that character. Like, for example, when I look, and we're talking about X-Men here, so let's get into yeah, X-Men yeah, a little let's bit. Let's get right? into it. Because they're my favorite, right? <laughs> yeah, well, um, I got another you know, question about if, X-Men in a bit. If, if we had Wolverine, now, now this is interesting because Wolverine was originally the side character in the team, a loner. Uh, a man who would disappear for months on end going to fucking Japan to do whatever he, it is he does that he's the best at, right? You know, like, when when they started to change his character and he became more popular, he became leader of the team at different points and those kind of things, that's what kind of jarred me a little bit was when we move away from the character's character, yeah, right? Totally. Um, that, you know, it's not that, like, okay, so we've got, uh, you know, Colossus who's like a silent dude, um, very, you know, quiet guy, artistic, that kind of stuff. I, I really dig the guy, right? Um, but so if all of a sudden Colossus became, uh, a like I don't know what's the opposite of that, uh, <laughs> a heavy metal rocker that does public speaking. I don't. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, I would be like, oh, okay, hold on. Why are they doing this? What's happening to this, right? Yeah. But I will say this: my old training partner. Uh, was the manliest of dudes, the angriest of dudes. He would smash people's face in for taking his space and to take uh, uh, at the water fountain and stuff like that. The guy was massive. He had big, uh, like, footballs for delts and stuff like that. And then he was gay. You know, yeah. up until that point, he had been talking about, yeah, man, I got these girls at the club. Yeah, man, I got these girls. But it was always interesting. Like, it was all about getting those girls, right? <laughs> like, he was... Try, try to get those girls he was trying to show us that he could achieve right yeah and then no man he was gay and so that's almost how i look at bobby drake is that like hmm. bobby drake was a little bit of a a, a wannabe player in in the earlier okay. issues that i recall like and i'm old so maybe my memory is off right but um and then he realizes no actually i'm more comfortable in this way and that's cool it it, it doesn't like throw me off of the character like or anything like that um what would throw me more is like i said if even if a character went against their character what's the reasoning behind that because you know like um let's say i don't know superman's a very moral guy but he kills okay mm-hmm. what brought him to that point of killing right there has to be a reason to for him to go against everything that he held dear or something like that and good writing can help achieve that right shit writing just would be Oh, Superman's on a killing spree. Well, okay. You know, that's not my Superman. And I totally get that when, when people say, hey, that's not my character because they didn't see how or why that character would arrive at that, that place and stuff like that, right? But yeah. for a character to be gay, man, a lot of gay guys I know have been like, they, didn't, they weren't comfortable within themselves or within society to be able mm. to even, even entertain it to themselves right totally and so a surprise gay dude on the team is not all that big of a surprise Hmm. and i totally get that like uh i think it it, there was an x-man that that came onto the team and and they were uh you know they they were gay that'd be totally fine um and even if even if you didn't know it at first the the pre-established assumptions about a given character though is um, like for example, if uh, Cyclops and Wolverine decided to fall in love, like to me, I would be like scratching my set head so hard at that, like because they, um, like that's like the the way in which I've kind of consolidated what X Men is, isn't that you know it's so it's so far outside of my 
my idea and the way in which I understand the characters of X-Men. And, you know, yeah, of course you're going to you. archetype them to an extent. Um, and so, you know, especially being a visual medium as, as well, like if you suddenly dis- demasculate a, uh, a, a typically masculine superhero character, um, that's going to, you know, jar people. If you suddenly make um, a female character who um, was feminine, super masculine and, and like, you know, butch, well, that's going to jar a few people if, if she's suddenly that. Or vice versa, right? Like maybe you've got a super masculine, uh, you know, like She-Hulk, for example. And all of a sudden, like when She-Hulk is presented as the She-Hulk, she's like super like feminine looking. Like that, like that's not She-Hulk anymore. That's a that's a visually a different character. Um, and yep. so when you've got like Hawkeye turning into, you know, I mean, I guess it's a completely different character, isn't it? Who is who's now playing Hawkeye? It's like, well, when you pick up a Hawkeye comic and you're expecting to see that character that that you're a fan of, that you fell in love with, but it's either not him at all and a completely different character, or it's been some kind of reimagining of the character, then um, that's going to be difficult for the it's audience to connect with, right? Yeah, cool. As far as I know, it's his daughter. Cool. That he trained her and stuff like that. Like, and here's the thing, like, I think a lot of us aren't reading enough books to really say, oh, they, they did this well or they did this horribly and stuff like that. Like, um, mm. do you know what I mean? Like, if we, we see these, these headlines popping up, you know, Iceman's gay, um, Thanos is a girl, uh, you know, what? <laughs> like no. these, these different things uh, <laughs> in the headlines right. and everybody's <laughs> arguing over it. Right. And you're like, what the hell? That's not the, not the rocket rack. I remember, you know, like right? yeah. you, you start throwing it back. But did you take the time? Did most of those people commenting take the time to actually sit down and read the mini series that, that came before that issue or something like that to read how the, the writers or creative team uh, introduced it? And like I said, maybe it's a shit writing uh maybe it's 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 it, it works out horribly and they're just tossing something against the wall and it doesn't stick right you know mm-hmm. like i've seen it tons of times through the years in comics and stuff i get but a very few people give it a really good you know fair shake to say hey you know what i've actually read the book and i think hmm. if they would have only took a few more issues to play out this it would have been a lot stronger or if they would have explained the reasoning uh, this way, like Hawkeye's getting arthritis, uh, <laughs> he's he's trying to teach his daughter, but he's worried about the, ri- you know, do you know what I mean? Like, whatever, the fuck, however they uh, write it out and stuff like that, right? If that's, yeah, I, I think so. there's, you if if it's good writing, you can get away with almost any transformation. If do you know what I mean? Like, there's good writing. There can be almost any reason. Yeah, like. Yeah, I, right, right, right. So even on the comic skaters side and on the traditionalist sides and stuff like that, they'll, one of the biggest things they fault is the writing, the shit writing and stuff like that. And so, again, you know, I can't say I've read every Marvel book that's been put out in the last decade, so I'm not going to claim that it's good or bad. All I can say is I've read good and bad. Mm. But I've read good and bad from Marvel for the last 40 years. So there's that. Totally. Um, You know, I often think about, like, during these conversations, like, I'm actually uh, a huge fan of Blade, right? Do you remember Blade, the the vampire slayer guy? Of course, yeah. Of course. So, um, and you know, he's African American. He's he's a man of color, 
And uh, I always think about like how mortified I'd be if suddenly they made Blade into some white guy. <laughs> I'd be like, no, what have you done to Blade? Like this isn't Blade, right? Um, so it, it goes both ways, man. Like yeah, it's, right. Um, like, do you know what I mean? Like, it'd be kind of weird, right, to see uh, just a white dude on the front cover of a Blade book. I don't know. Maybe I will draw that. I don't know. <laughs> like, no, don't. But I totally hear you. Like, you know, there's the, don't do it, I'll, I'll get lots of haters, but it would be funny. Um, the thing about that is that, you know, this is where it gets really weird because you're Australian, I'm Canadian, I'm living in Asia, and most of this is based out of the the race dynamics of America, right? And so, point. you know, we've got to be really, really cautious about how some of this is approached because um, I'm not American, you're not American, and we're not minorities in America, and there's a lot of violent history that, that's attached to some of this. Hmm. And um, so, you know, and not only that, but misrepresentation in the media, like when we look at how minorities were were and have been represented in in a lot of uh, media, especially TV and movies in the U.S. and stuff like that, it was pretty shitty for a pretty long time. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was hard for Asian actors to get a role, but you throw buck teeth on Mickey Rooney, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, yeah, I am Mr. Upstairs Nabal. You know, like, there's a lot of bullshit that happened in, in, in the media and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it would be wrong to, uh, you know, take someone like uh, Blade and, you know, the, the thing is that there's this forced diversity. This is the argument, forced diversity versus um, whitewashing, right? Whitewashing <laughs> is when we take an established uh, ethnic character, usually established through history, but maybe established through fiction, and fill it in with a, a white role, right? Mm. Uh, whether that's The Last Samurai, Tom Cruise, I think we could probably list a hundred movies where whitewashing was an issue, right? Right, cool. The flip side of that is forced diversity, where we feel that, well, hold on, Nick Fury was a white guy with the Howling Commandos in World War II, and he had, like, you know, little gray patches on the side of his head and, and a missing eye, and now he's Samuel Jackson. Um, why is that? You know, why, why, why did we switch? And what's it, what's the impact of it? Does it hurt? Does it matter? Is it good? Is it bad? I will say this though, that, you know, I think the original creators at Marvel, uh, were pretty ahead of their time for recognizing the need for diversity in their comics. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of of minority characters in there. But I also think that they didn't have a lot of exposure to people outside of their their, uh, socioeconomic circles and stuff like that. And so you get very stereotypical early creations of those minorities, you know, with the jive talking, every, every black guy's jive talking from <laughs> the hood and stuff. I like got every Asian's a fortune cookie, you know, yeah. like, um, and I don't blame, uh, the early Marvel creators for this. I think they did really well for what they had in their hands at the time. In fact, better than most other, uh, media producers were doing at that time and stuff like that. So mm. I give them a lot of respect for that. But I also think that um, that when I see minorities, and I'm using the term minorities, but uh, people that aren't white uh, on TV shows and movies and in comic books, I think, 
Well, yeah, hell yeah, because that's what I see out my window or in my own home. Totally, so to, to me, uh, it's it, it's it, it. You know, I don't even see it as like I don't even question it until somebody says, "Hey, why is that there?" I'll be like, uh, "Why wasn't it there?" And if it wasn't there. Yeah, we really should consider doing something about it. That doesn't mean, you know, this gets into affirmative action that we have to have 18% blacks and, you know, 13% Asians oh, and that no. kind of stuff. No, no, no. <laughs> Obviously, that gets ridiculous. Yeah. But this is what I ask creators is like, listen, if you're stuck in a, in a, a zone of only creating a certain type, maybe address that you know we've talked about it in our how to draw comics group and stuff like that about body types and i love big booby small waist girls and all that kind of stuff in real life and in comic books and everything but i also love diversity i love to be able to draw all mm. different body types and everything right um when i create characters i create uh all types of characters from different nationalities different nations and stuff you know mm. uh, and i think that reflects my interests and I don't expect other people to always do it or anything like that. But for, for a big company like Marvel or Disney or DC or any big company, I'd be like, yeah, that'd be weird if they were all white. You know, like that it would really be weird. And right? it would be weird. And you know, like I think you're hundred percent right. You know, even back in the day, you know, when Stan Lee was running the show, the one thing that the comic books did, I think they did introduce a lot of diversity. Um, and in the nineties, that diversity came back. Like Spawn was a, a black guy, and all. well, you know what happened actually is that later on, uh, for a little while, like for a few issues, he was replaced by a white dude, and that's when I put the comic book down. You know, it wasn't Spawn anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's like this long-haired, like blonde dude. I'm like, where did this dude come from? That's not Al Simmons, but yeah. uh, you know, I, I think that diversity has always been there. You know. Green Lantern has, you know, gone through a few uh, nationalities over the years and and whatnot, and that's been a great thing to see in comic books. You know, you've you've had men and women in comic books as well, and um, there's been plenty of stories written in regards to you know the the different political views that are out there, and I think that's been a really awesome thing that that comic books have brought to the table, especially titles like X Men, and you know I think it is one of those comics that you can read as a kid and still enjoy it, and as an adult, and really understand it on a whole other level, which is absolutely yeah. fantastic, man. Um, that does bring me to, to another question I was going to ask you, though. Because you've, you've been around for a little while, you know, you're a little bit older than me. You said it yourself, man. You said that. I did. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you were reading X-Men comics back in the day, and you're reading a few now. How do the two compare in terms of story and in terms of artwork? Uh, you... <laughs> um, you know, it's hard because I think in some ways the artwork is much better now. And oh, and I'm, I'm sure people are going to attack me for that. But it depends on the artist, and of course, right? And, you know, and when I say better, I think, um, you know, Burn, Cockrum, like, uh, you know, I love the 70s Marvel guys. I love the, the 90s guys and stuff like that, 80s, 90s. But... There was also some hit and misses. Not everything was a home run. There were only so many guys. You know, sometimes somebody would pick up a book and do a couple uh, couple issues on it. And you'll be like, freak, 
why do I have to keep buying this with the, what's his face drawn on it now? Do you know what I mean? Like, I know I'm collecting the X-Men, but now I'm stuck with numb nuts for the next three issues or something. Why, why don't they bring back uh, Jim Lee or something, whatever it was, right? Um, but the, the biggest thing that's changed, obviously, is uh, digital, you know, working on the computer and stuff like that. So uh, you mentioned colors before being muted in recent books that's a conscious choice by the colorist now you might not not like it or anything but i'm presuming that the printer didn't fuck up that the colorist chose that muted color tone mm. and palette and stuff like that yeah. um that might have been a bad choice whatever but now we have way more freedom in coloring uh that we didn't have 20 30 years ago or whatever and stuff right the paper quality can handle a lot more details a lot of full bleeds, you know, that couldn't be printed before easily and stuff like that. Uh, so if you're picking up books now and you actually hold them side by side to our old books from uh, 70s, 80s and stuff like that, you'll be like, yeah, hot damn. I could see there is certain things that are better in quality now. I think, as I mentioned before, uh, that some of the the work is a little too static nowadays meaning it's too stiff. Um, I think that's, uh, I don't know why, like I, I've got, like I said, I got my guesses of why and stuff like that. Um, I think people need to loosen up. So like sometimes when they give a book to somebody like Scotty Young or something like that, I'll be like, yeah, man, he did a run for Wizard of Oz with Marvel. And I was like, that's a badass looking book. It's just like, I don't know if you know who Scotty Young is. He draws those mm. uh, chibis and funny little uh, sketch, like, cutesy characters and he did this whole Wizard of Oz run and stuff and it was like wow that's a funky art style right mm-hmm. um, I think there's still a lot of good artists and a lot of the artists that were producing in the 80s and 90s are still producing to this day mm-hmm. you know you can still find them doing cover work and stuff like that still find them doing the occasional uh, piece and everything right so in my opinion I don't think the books are uh, like any worse or horrible i think it's still hit and miss like i said back in the days i used to have like 50 60 polls a month and so and half of those weren't worth me reading you know what i mean right. like i would read i would read you know i'd i'd pull and i'd read my you know top five that i really wanted to get it into my uncanny um maybe um some special team ups or something like that or whatever and stuff and then a lot of the books you know, they just kind of fell off and I'd be like, oh, I'll, I'll read them later in the month or whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's kind of what's ha- happened now, too. When I when I look at some of these books out there, I'll be like, uh, you know, un- unfortunately, what they did do. And this is what's what's big is, it, you know, money m- makes everything right. So, you know, you get Wolverine being popular. You have fucking five titles with Wolverine in them, right? He's in the Avengers. He's in the Fantastic Four. He's in X-Men. He's in Excalibur. He's all over the place. Yeah. You have the, the, you have the X-Men being popular. Well, let's throw in 10 X-Men titles. You know, mm-hmm. you've got X-10, X-1, X-2, X-3, you know, you've got them all. And of course, what you're going to do is like dilute the talent pool. And, you know, it's, it it damages it a little bit. So it, I think you have to hunt a little bit better. Like I said, like uh, Ken Lashley's run, uh, I loved his work uh, on it and stuff. There's some really good stuff. Uh, the recent Black Panther book that was out, um, trying to remember, Coates was writing it. You know, like th- there's some good stuff out there, man. So, mm-hmm. yeah, honestly, I, I, I want to say like I prefer the 90s and 80s for X-Men, but 
there's a healthy dose of nostalgia in that and everything. Yeah, I get um, you. Uh, if you pick up a recent X-Men book, you'll be like, no, actually this is, and, and here's the difference is I get to look at it as a first time reader because I get to see my daughter reading these books. Right. Okay. And so okay. she, she picks them up and I've mean her sometimes we'll go back and read like the one seventies, the two hundreds of the uncanny and stuff like that. We'll read them together kind of as bedtime stories and stuff like that. And she likes it, but she also likes the newer stuff. And then she likes her own stuff. Like she'll be reading Sabrina or something like that, or, or uh, Josie and the Pussycats, or, you know, she'll be reading some other things, and then uh, she'll come back to some Marvel stuff, and, like, mm. um, you know, yeah, I think nostalgia is heavy on us, man, that, I think I was saying this to you before, like, if you, uh, like, right now, on TV, there's some really, really freaking good shows out there, Not, and I'm not just talking Game of Thrones, I mean, like, even, like, superhero shows, you know, yeah, like, totally. When we, I, I'm I'm not the hugest DC fan, but they they're doing a great job on the CW with like Flash, um, Arrow, Arrow's wrapping up, right? Um, uh, Supergirl, all those type, and then Marvel's got they're spread out over Netflix, Hulu, and uh, another one. They've got the Runaways, they've got Cloak and Dagger, they've got you know you want to talk about cutting edge stuff if you re, if you watch Jessica Jones, that's some brutal shit. Right. It's talking about basically rape and like sticking your hand in a blender being mind controlled. And like, this is stuff that's really out there. And like daredevil daredevils, like hard hitting on Netflix and stuff. I started watching daredevil. It's pretty damn cool. I was surprised. They did a Charlie Cox slays it. And the writers are great. Um, I think with Luke Cage, it it started off really strong. Um, It had a good uh, like nineties hip hop vibe like the juice kind of thing but then it it, it kind of messed itself up and mm. unfortunately uh, iron fist generally isn't worth watching other than the girl who plays colleen wing she mm-hmm. she can kick some ass cool. but you know what i'm saying is like compare that to when i was a kid you know what we had for live action superhero stuff <laughs> superman bill and lois lane <laughs> no bill, no that was before me. that was after me man <laughs> mine is bill bixby as the incredible hulk <laughs> and what, you know what he would do? Did you ever watch that series from uh, the late 70s? I know, but I know what you're talking about. I've seen okay. the, some snapshots. So basically, he was like Lassie, that he, and in Canada, the littlest hobo, he would travel from town to town uh, with an intro and outro of sad music. And he would get to this town and find some social issue that, you know, the husband was abusing a wife or, or drug dealers were were holding the town hostage and then somebody would make him mad and then he would turn into Lou Ferrigno and smash shit up. Right. Um, that was the extent of quality of superhero shows when I was a kid. And then, you know, then it came into, uh, Smallville. Smallville was like maybe one of the first decent superhero shows, unless I'm kind of skipping over no, something yeah. here. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Smallville was kick-ass. Right. I, so what I'm saying is like now, Honestly, I envy my kid. We're in the freaking golden time of creativity. My kid could get on YouTube tomorrow and, you know, write a song, sing a song, do a presentation, uh, whatever the fuck she wants and get a million views. You know, I couldn't have done that when I was a kid. My friends who were entertainers could not do that. Everybody was hoping to get signed to the big company and Mm. and it just, we we didn't have that ability, right? And so now... Now, you know what, I, I know everybody's bitching at each other, you know, uh, social justice words versus comics gate and stuff, but now is awesome for comics because you know what, you can produce a comic that like, you're, you love the KKK 
and you produce a, a KKK kicks ass book, right? <laughs> and you can market it. You can uh, crowdfund it. You can sell it to all your KKK brothers <laughs> and sisters, you know, and you can make money and fucking good for you. I don't really give a shit. I ain't going to buy it. But if you want to, you can do it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so, so be it, you know, like I, that's how I see it is like now it, it's awesome. And I, I hope that these independents, I hope we push Marvel. Not only push them to hire my ass, but push them to Dude. perform better. To to to, because what did they do with Image? What did they do when Image came out? Marvel realized like, oh snap, we lost a lot of talent, and how are we going to get them back? And who's running DC right now? Mm-hmm. Well, Jim, Jim Lee. Lee. Yeah, right. He owns right. it. <laughs> they got that talent back, right? Mm. Um, and so like, you know, I I have a feeling that um, everything's in a state of flux right now. Um, me and you have talked about this before. You know, uh, you've mentioned, well, comics, basically, sales suck, right? And they mm-hmm. suck because you're comparing it to when you were in it collecting in the height of the 90s. And that was the boomest of booms. Well, right? I, I'm comparing it to, you know, one of the things that stick out to me is just, and this is why, man, like, I 100% agree with everything you just said. Um, I think there's been no better time to be an independent comic book creator um, because independent hold, hold comic on, book creators... Right now, hold on. Yeah. I'm actually going to say it's even... There's almost a no better time to work for Marvel or to get a job at these companies too because they'll find you no matter where you are on this world. Okay, so whereas they couldn't do that before. So I think it's... To be a comic book artist, this is the best time. Absolutely. Go um, ahead now. You know, and, and with the independent creators... Um, you know, it's just so amazing that we even have platforms that allow you to crowdfund your own projects and sell direct to your market, like your fan base. And the fact that you can make literally hundreds of thousands of dollars, that's not unrealistic. These these creators are managing to do that. And, you know, that's not even, yeah, I mean, that's getting pretty close. You know, it's getting close to, to a million for some of them. Um, you know, yep. well, 800 grand or so, uh, last yep. I heard on one of them, but you know, it's, it's like, I mean, even to make it just 10 grand on a single book, I mean, when was even that possible for an independent creator? Like, it's amazing that you can put your ideas out there now, turn it into a book and then sell it to your audience. Whereas before it sucked, like, um, one, you couldn't pitch your ideas to Marvel and you still can't. Uh, in fact, right. you can't even apply to be at Marvel. They, they simply just, you know, find you on they find you, know, you whatever platform you're on if yeah. uh, if your work kind of aligns with what they need um, and yep. even then if you get hired by Marvel man I was looking at the like, the paychecks that even the top artists are getting and it's I wouldn't uh, I, you know it's my, not my thing like for an entire <laughs> comic book page um, if you're a top artist man you should be getting paid way more than that I mean for original artwork um, so I say you know, if you're an independent creator and you can draw good and you can write good, kickstart the heck out of that. You know, build a following, a fan base right now, uh, because there's there's more than enough opportunity to do it. Um, I agree. Yeah, man. I mean, the the last thing I wanted to to just bring up, I, I guess, what inspired this, uh, you know, my post and and this particular episode of the podcast is just, you know, how much of a fan I am of uh, Top Cow, and the other day. I went to their website. Now, I was I was in love with characters like the Darkness and Witchblade, 
in Cyberforce. Mm-hmm. You know, these characters were dark. And by edgy, I meant, you know, they were dark. They they brought something new to the table. It was kind of this mix of superheroes and horror and sci-fi and sexiness. You know, the the the, the female characters were, were beautiful and the, the dude characters were like over-the-top muscly. And again, you had that energy in it. And it was... I loved it because it was dark. I really like dark stuff. But I went okay. to uh, Top Cow's website the other day, and uh, I was like, whoa, this is, like, weird. Like, it's almost like they're, they're selling these, like, um, it looked like romance comic books or, or something like that. Like, and, and I didn't realize this, but the one that I was looking at was Witchblade, and I didn't even recognize her anymore. She looked so... Uh, normalized and and realistic, and I, I guess that's what people have been trying to get into comics is this this sense of realism and this this feeling of of re- relativity, right? Be making them more relatable. But I was like, man, this just equates to absolute boredom for me. You know, it's it's not it doesn't have the energy that that I once experienced anymore. It doesn't have the dark themes and the the sci-fi themes that were once in there. It's not, and if it is, it's not as evident as it once was. Um, so I guess, you know, that's what I meant by, you know, edgy and, and maybe a little bit, a little bit controversial, not for the sake of being controversial, but um, just not, not being afraid to, to be what it is, you know, rather than to live up to some kind of standard that, that will honestly never be reached in society's eyes because society is is always evolving so the only thing you can really do is stay true to yourself as a creator and i think as as a comic book publisher and and the big ones once they start to see what the indies are going to do and this is my prediction the indies are going to kill it later on and they're going to possibly overtake the mainstream maybe not overtake them but you know catch up to them a little bit i think they're going to say hey you know what maybe we should go back to our roots here and create some some cool stuff that uh that's going to hook people in a little bit more yeah i'd like to see them take a lot more risks and stuff i get you know whether it's in uh like in movies the mcu and stuff like that or whether it's in comics and stuff Hmm. i'd love i love risk taking and stuff but look at the pushback whenever people take risks nowadays and stuff you know like um there's there's this instantaneous pushback that's online of anything you know anything different right it's weird there'll be this pushback then there'll be this push forward people say no no this is awesome no they should have never made it into a horror movie yes they should let's try it you know like (laughs) and there's this weird argument that happens and stuff right with witchblade you know i haven't seen it lately and stuff and now it doesn't sound like i want to no Um, it's sad (laughs) made me cry but like i said i have a feeling that a lot of artists are are heavily referencing uh and uh abusing references and stuff like that so it can get really boring you know mm. um but i know you know the with the rise of independence um and i think you, you'll always be able to find this this type of the heavy metal comics type of thing you know oh, with yeah. uh tna uh blades and uh what else i don't know you <laughs> know what aliens and shit right uh that's always going to be out there it just it it might shift you got to figure like when image popped up when top cow popped up they were um taking anything they can to kind of establish themselves right you know they were taking on creator projects they were doing this image is still doing that but uh do you know what i mean like they were like okay let's let's make a name for ourselves here and stuff right mm-hmm. once 
a company gets established, they 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 get kind of, well, hold on, now we're we, we might lose money on this project, or now we're scared to take a risk. And, That's it, man. And so you know, it comes down to money once again. Is that uh, they become risk adverse because, mm. you know, they've seen and shit. Even look at Marvel; they were filing for bankruptcy in what was it, late eighties or early nineties, somewhere around there, right? Um, yeah. So like. There is a lot of risks uh, to taking risks, right? Um, yeah, I, I think you that know, um, you know the the hit back that you might get from your idea. You know, I I don't think that's an excuse not to not to put it out there anyway. Look, I mean, people get over stuff, and if this idea really matters to you, I mean, you know, if it's a, it's a bad idea, it's a bad idea, right? Like you don't probably want to be making a comic book about the KKK and in a positive light because that is obviously going to get hit back and. I mean, you got to ask yourself if that's really the audience you want anyway. But, you know, there, there is an audience out there for most things. And I don't think that you should be afraid to express your ideas. You know, this is, we live in, in one of the freest societies in the entire world. You know, I mean, I'm talking about Australia, America, Canada, um, you know, yeah. and a bunch of other places. But, you know, the rest of the world doesn't have that that opportunity to express themselves. Like, there's there's so much censorship in 90% of the rest of the world. Why why censor yourself in, in the one part of the world where you're free to express your thoughts and your ideas and your beliefs in, an, in these open platforms that we have available to us, comic books and music and movies and TV shows and, yep. you know, video games. It's, it's an amazing opportunity. Um, so... Don't be don't be afraid to express your creativity. Um, as far as the big companies go, yeah, it's it's always going to be about the money. And I would say that um, the symptoms that we're seeing of their decisions around money is quite evident in the products that they're bringing out. And kind of sucks. I haven't seen yeah. Endgame that yet, though. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Hopefully, that'll be good. <laughs> oh, the movie? Oh, yeah. it's yeah. I, I'm my prediction is it touches one million one billion dollars on its opening weekend some people are saying two billion it could it could make which is well i think eventually it'll make three billion i think it'll be somewhere <laughs> around there like two two point five to three somewhere in there but i think opening weekend because i just saw the numbers coming out of china they're opening up in china in the same weekend and stuff and the numbers are really really big so uh yeah we'll see the thing for me that i want to emphasize of my main point on this is mm -hmm. like listen i think there's room for all types of creators if you want to have a, a christian book like i've actually uh talked to friends about partnering up doing books of the bible or something like that yeah. and you know how how one would approach that in a graphic novel and stuff like that uh i think that's it's cool you should be able to do it um and if you want to make a book on the opposite end about uh you know, I don't know, bondage and BDSM or whatever, like, you yeah. know, uh, and pure uh, hente, uh, like... NSFW, you know, Ed. We'll right, everything that's not safe for work or whatever it is. <laughs> Which does really I well on Kickstarter. But I think you should be able to do that too and stuff like that. Now, it's going to be hard as, as an artist to to do both of those projects because you do one project, the other people, the other crowd is going to look at you and say, uh, you don't look like you're the artist for our work and stuff, right? Um, and so my only warning to, to artists would be like, listen, you might find yourself uh, kind of hold into a little, you know, audience zone or whatever and stuff. If you, if you work on an extreme project, you might be kind of linked to that extreme 
end of things and stuff like that. So do it if you want to just realize that's that might be what happens and stuff like that. Right. You know, like, um, but yeah, I think I want to be able to walk into a comic book store, see a rack of Marvel because I love Marvel, a small section for DC because they suck. (laughs) And then a great section of independent books, whether they're from image or self-published and stuff that show everything from white Jesus to the black, KKK Klansman to whatever BDSM. up there that I, you know, like put it all up there because whatever, you know, like just yeah. create and let the market sort it out. If, if you end up sitting on a thousand books or nine, 999 books and you printed a thousand, then, you know, the market didn't like you, you know, and, yeah. and that that's it. That's all. No, right. That's true diversity in comic books. And it, it might, if that ever happened at it, it might well save uh, comic book stores. I mean, I would love going into a comic book store if it had that amount of uh, of content there. Um, There's but, a fair bit. The last hmm. few comic book stores I've been in have had uh, a, more independent books than I expected. Oh, nice. They, they were, yeah, they they had a an entire section. I want to say like a wall. Like, do you know what I mean? An oh, entire sick. big panel of a wall that were all indie books and stuff. And some of them were locally produced. This was in Canada, so um, yeah, I was quite impressed. That's great, man. Um, I guess I'll I'll leave it on this note, and then we'll kind of we better get into some some of these announcements that we probably should have done at the start of the episode. But um, uh, you know, I, this I had a saying once, and it was a good saying um, to do with marketing and and selling comic books and and other products. Really, it's it's better to be hated or loved than it is to be liked because people who like your stuff aren't going to love it enough to buy it. Um, and I think that Marvel and DC and maybe even Image to an extent because comic book sales ha- have fallen uh, and there's, there's no doubt about that for a number of reasons, no doubt, just more immersive you know, contents and uh, platforms of entertainment, 100%. Yep. But, you know, I think Marvel is pretty well liked. You know, people like them. And, and the audience that they're appealing to like them, but I don't think that that they love them. You know, some of the audience does. Like Ed here is he's a clear fan, but uh, yeah. I don't think that a majority are loving them that much anymore. They they like them, but they don't love them. And the comic book sales seem to be suggesting that. But so you know, if you are an independent creator, it's okay to have people who hate you. That's totally fine. It's great to have people who love you. That'll make you the sales. Just, you know, if you're going to sit on the fence, don't expect to make that many sales. You won't get that much hate. That's okay. But you won't make that much sales either. Um, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. Gotcha. Um, so, gotcha. Ed, uh, announcements. You've got a, you've got a few here. So. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, we're, we're going to... Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think which one to start with. <laughs> one is that I finally finished my uh, How to Draw Perspectives and Backgrounds course. It's massive it took me a very long time uh because as we know backgrounds take quite a long time right so and teaching how to work through the basic steps of of perspective and everything and i worked through uh all different ways of approaching everything from one point up to five point perspective and stuff right and the basic premises of of uh, the rules that I put down for establishing backgrounds and stuff it's my course is six and a half hours long and yeah don't don't avoid backgrounds people either i don't care if you get my course or not but uh uh, start drawing your backgrounds and that's one of the things of modern comics is a lot of people are like being really lazy 
on backgrounds and stuff. So get drawn them. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other announcement is um, uh, we're running a contest for, and I think we'll get into more details in a later podcast on it, but we're going to run a sequentials uh, contest. Um, a lot of people in our, in our how to draw comics Facebook group and stuff have been saying, uh, you know, we want to see more pages, more panel work, you know, more storytelling and stuff. And so I said, hell yeah, let's do this. Right. And I used to run a lot of contests on pencil Jack. And so I figured let's, let's get rolling with a contest here. So we're organizing a bunch of prizes. Uh, but the main theme is it's, it's not about the prizes per se, but more so that listen, we're all in this together let's all put up some pages and stuff like that and let's you know let's have by the end of the month so this is going to be for the month of may by the end of the month you know you'll have something for your portfolio or you'll have something that you learned a hell of a lot from and there'll be a lot of feedback being given on the group and stuff people helping you know each members helping members and stuff like that so i think it's going to be a great community project totally man i can't wait it's it's going to be amazing to see see what people submit for that yeah it'll be cool it'll be cool i think that's all of my announcements any other than <laughs> awesome summer's here and i've realized that uh you know it's getting hot and i can't wear pants anymore so that's my third announcement you've, you've got to get that tan <laughs> on it oh no i'm already burned i burned last weekend and like it was it was a cloudy day and i'm i'm all looking lobster like mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I can't go out into the sun. I uh, I look lobster like like I'm ninnered in. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, on my end, the announcements are that uh, well, if you go to the How to Draw Comics site www.howtodrawcomics.net, what you're going to see there is a massive amount of content that's been uploaded in the last uh, few weeks that covers right. tutorials, video tutorials, which. You know, this week we've been on a roll. I've been putting out a video almost every single day, which is like a never-be-foreseen occurrence. So um, really enjoying putting those together for you guys, and it would seem that you are as well. So thanks so much for checking them out. Um, had a lot of thumbs up and a lot of comments, lots of great feedback. Cool. Um, we've got the podcast episodes that we're putting out weekly, and, of course, you know Ed's new course, um, and then the blog posts, you know, we're putting out articles uh, right. at, at least a few a week. You know, this week's been a bit slow on the article side, but there's, there's yep. going to be at least one. So, oh, hey, and I, I just realized a new thing, too. Both you and Rick, Rick uh, you know, I think Rick Rick's, uh, <laughs> didn't wake up for this podcast today, but I know that both of you guys were going to start uh, doing comic reviews as well. It, We've got tons of comics on the howtodrawcomics.net site. Uh, being hosted up there and stuff right so we want to give some comic reviews and get some exposures for those independent artists yeah absolutely man um which is is something that i should have mentioned so thanks for bringing that up ed um independent creators specifically uh we're trying to get them out there a little bit more trying to promote their books so what we're going to start doing is some video reviews on on some of the the comics that we've got featured up there on the store so be sure to check them out because I mean, you know, Ed, you, you saw the the preview that I recently put out for Rage uh, issue right. three. It, it's some amazing artwork. I'm always so surprised oh, that yeah. this stuff is is just floating around out there and, and no one knows yeah. about it. So yep. it's yep. a true honor to be able to feature that on the site. And uh, guys, if if you're into something new that you're not going to find on, at your local comic book store, make sure you visit our HTDC comic book store online at www.howtodrawcomics.net. Um, but that's about it. 
Uh, I think Ed, yep. I think we've covered it all. Uh, as much as we're we're gonna cover today on that one, yeah, I think you know some people are probably gonna be disappointed. They'll be like, "Oh, I thought you guys were gonna argue," and "Oh, I thought there was gonna be some big drama," but no, I think when you get uh, <laughs> reasonable people sitting down talking about these type of subjects, uh, you know, the loud extremes on either side—they're not so loud anymore. You know, they're they don't. They always want their voices to be heard above everybody else's. But I think that a lot of people can just say, hey, this is how I feel about it. And totally. that can be good, too. I mean, the the issue is, is that there's, there's oftentimes there's a, a few crazy people on either side and they get heard yeah. the loudest. <laughs> um, you know, we're not we're not too too insane yet. So uh, we're, yeah, we're well, able to have yeah. a, a civil conversation about this stuff. And I'm not really on either side anyway. At the end of the day, you kind of convinced me of a lot of things. I'm sure I convinced you of, yep. you know, at least a few things. Um, yep, yep. So, yeah, it's been awesome, man. Thanks so much cool. for joining me on the podcast today, Ed. It's uh, always a pleasure. And thanks so much to those who are listening. Um, we enjoy uh, making these podcast episodes for you and uh, sharing our thoughts. And if you have any thoughts of your own on the topic that we've covered today, please leave them in the comments below. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we'd love to hear suggestions on new topics that we could cover for the podcast. We're always we're always trying to create content for the community that is going to be the most beneficial possible. So, um, you know, your input is super valuable to us. Until next time, keep on practicing, keep on creating, and we'll catch you next week.